Hey everybody, Dave Hagen here. Today we're going to talk about wants versus needs. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Thank you and hello everybody. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, again coming to you from beautiful downtown Van Nuys. For some of you know, that's just outside of Los Angeles and uh, kind of near uh, Hollywood. Joining me today, hey look. It's Brian Reed. <laughs> Interesting. How long were you guys working on that one, Dave? Well, you Very know, nice. that took that was, hours. That took, that's okay. That was a nice touch. I hey, like that. Hey, thanks for coming in today. Appreciate sure you having here. You know, always, always good, always fun, you know? Always good to be here. Yeah. Today, I want to talk a little bit about wants versus needs, because I think it's a good way to, to analyze your finances. You know, it's, it's an age-old topic in the area of personal finance, looking at needs versus wants. And, you know, we can get caught up in analyzing things, so I don't want to put too much emphasis on this. But I, I think an occasional analysis such as this can sometimes be very illuminating. So... What's the difference between a need versus a want? Well, needs are something that we need to survive, and wants are something that we desire. Now, I can make this confusing by saying, I desire to survive, and that messes it all up. But I think if, if we look at it and say, needs are something that we need to survive, and wants are something that we desire, that gives us a framework to think about a little bit. So... What are some things we might consider needs? How about housing? How about transportation, utilities, insurance, um, food, designer clothes? Not, maybe not, maybe a pair of jeans and a t-shirt, but not designer clothes. How about wants? You know, well, I mean, basically wants are almost anything else, but Things like wants might be, well, designer clothes, entertainment, travel, uh, maybe, uh, you know, lattes and drinks and dinner out. Just something to think about. And you know, it occurred to me as we were getting ready to do the show, Brian, that it's not the same for everybody. Some people might have something that's a, a want and for other people it might be necessarily a need, you know. Like I was thinking for years, realtors had these really big, comfortable cars, these big old Cadillacs, you know, that used to go like a boat down the road. They had the big fins and the really cushy, cushy seats. It was like a couch. And of course, now we look at that and we go, what's up with that? But that was that was a thing for a while. And a car like that certainly sounds like a want, something that's not that necessary. But check this out. In the olden days, realtors used to drive clients around a lot to a lot of properties and they wanted them to be comfortable when they're driving them around. They wanted it to be easy to get in and out of the car and they wanted them to feel like, you know, they were Mr. and Mrs. Megabucks buying maybe a little bigger house than they should. <laughs> and so this was kind of like a sales tool. So maybe to a realtor back in the day, it was more of a, you know, a need than a, than a want. 
real estate's a lot different now. People just look at stuff on, uh, you know, Zillow and Redfin and all that, and they can kind of see what they want. But um, another example, season tickets to the Lakers. I mean, the Warriors. I mean, the Raptors. <laughs> How things change, huh? And that sounds like a want. But, you know, if a person was a sports agent, I, I guess it could actually be uh, seen as a need. I guess the point is that it, you know, it varies by person to person. And again, I don't want to spend too much time dwelling on this, but I think it can show us if someone has a hole in their bucket. That's kind of what I call it when I sit down with people. You know, I'll sit down with some people. I do it all the time, in fact. And occasionally I'll see someone with large amounts of income coming in, but no bottom line, no savings, no assets. And it causes me to think, where's the hole in the bucket? Where's the money going? And more often than not, it's someone that's spending more maybe than they should on wants than, than than needs. A lot of times there's a huge dislocation between the two. I mean, some people spend a huge amount of money on great cars. I've seen people spending, gosh, I had one, one time I saw a guy spending like 1800 a month on a car. I, I mean, I can't imagine. Um, or sometimes I'll just see people spending large amounts on drinks and meals and entertainment. It you know, it, it differs. It differs, differs from person to person, you know. Brian, let's talk about some wants or needs. Hit me with some. Oh, let's think about this. I, when you were talking earlier, I was thinking about, uh, you know, travel. Yeah. Okay. Now, that is pretty much a... Uh, it's something people desire. It's a want. It's a want. It's a desire, yeah. But there are people out there, which and this kind of goes along with what you're saying, is that it differs from person to person. People who, like, they need to, to travel. They have to go places. It's just ingrained in them. Right. And they'll sacrifice other things. And that's okay. To go and travel then. Because yeah. yeah. that's wanderlust or whatever yeah. the, the term is. I mean, as long as they realize that. And, um, you know, there's the, you know, there's a, you know, another angle to that in... Um, Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he says one of the things that you got to do is sharpen the saw. And his point was, you know, you need to work hard, but you need to rest. You need to spend some time to sharpen your tool, sharpen the saw, to refresh, because a sharp saw will work more efficiently and accomplish more than a dull blade. And so... I mean, I suppose if, um, uh, you know, if somebody needs that to refresh, and in fact, I think everybody should, uh, maybe it's not so much a, um, a want, you know, anymore. Maybe it's something that, uh, uh, maybe it starts to become a need. Now, I suppose the extent of the vacation could move it into one category or another. You know, sometimes I think... Uh, you know, get in the car and take a trip up the coast and staying in little places seaside is more than enough to refresh. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be uh, two weeks at the Grand Alani in Maui, uh, you know, with room service yeah. and fresh fruit Absolutely. on your bed every night and all that. So maybe it depends a little bit on the on the extent. I don't know. Uh, what else? You know, Internet nowadays is that's a, a need. I, you know, I think so. It is. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, when we were getting ready to uh, uh, to do this, I was, I was doing some research and I saw an article from uh, five, six years ago and they were talking about, you know, Internet. Well, that's that that's that's really a, a want. 
You know, that's really like an extra because they were thinking of it in the entertainment category almost. And um, seems to me it's it's absolutely a necessity these days because people get their information, they pay their bills, they talk to their friends, um, all those other things. And I think that's kind of changed over a period of time. Have you also noticed how much the price has gone up? It used to be like <laughs> 29 bucks, and now I think I'm paying 60, 65, and um, I'm happy to pay it because you got to stay connected to the world. You know, now my grandmother doesn't have the internet, so guess what? Is it? You don't need it to survive. Yeah. You theoretically could go to the, the library when you needed to use a computer. Yeah, yeah. You could call people on your phone. Maybe you could look at the internet only through your phone. What if you just had an unlimited data plan? Yeah, no, so true. So true. Remember when people used to dial up and would go, beep? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, no, no, Dave. What are, what are you talking about? Before our time. I don't remember that. Oh, man. I remember uh, in our office, we were looking at uh, stamps.com so we could print out stamps rather than using the postage meter and running to the post office every couple of weeks. And when we realized that uh, stamps.com, you really need to be connected to the internet and they wanted a full-time on-the-internet connection, we went... Oh, that's that's too futuristic. That's too expensive. <laughs> you know, we were we were looking at it as a want and not a need. And now it's like uh, if the Internet goes down, if the building goes down, everyone starts running around, wringing their hands. They, they don't know what to do. You know, we don't have a Wi-Fi signal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what about a Tesla, dude? You know, I was going there. I knew you were going. there. Is that a want okay. or a need? Dave, for you, it is a need, okay? But for the rest of the world, it's just a want, okay? Get over it, buddy. Oh, man, oh, man. I know a guy that's, um, he does real estate, and um, he was, like, driving away from a, a, a showing, and some people went up and knocked on the window and said, hey, can can you sell our house, too? Now, does that, that take it out of the uh, want category and put it into the need category? Is that an argument <laughs> that person could make? I don't know. No, you don't need a Tesla to sell a house. Come, come on here, work with me. Work with me, Brian. I'm not. I, Dave, this is the tough love love <laughs> segment of the show. My wife may be listening. Work with me. Uh, nope, I'm on her side. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So I guess it depends from person to person. And uh, I think if somebody looks at their expenditures and their wants and their needs, it could there could be some um, hybrid kinds of expenditures. And there could be some things that would cross over you know, the line over, even over time. But I still think that it's an interesting um, exercise to follow. And, and again, I think the point is, and we've said this over and over, uh, the point is not to be a miser, not to live, uh, you know, with soap scraps and, and um, you know, just eat cereal, but to be mindful, to, to, to have and, and, and follow a plan. So um, I think it's something to occasionally look after, think about, and it helps you evaluate some of the things that you're, you're doing and you're spending. Um, so to do an analysis, real simple, just take hmm, a sample of your expenditures, take a three-month sample, and just put them into two pots, needs and wants. That's it. Pretty simple to do. And now add them up. Just add them up. And you want to look at the relationship between the two sums. Are wants significantly greater than needs? If that's the case... That's a good indication that there's a problem. It's an indication that your spending habits may be a bit too rich. It's an indication that you might be able to deploy your capital in a slightly different way to create maybe some savings or acquire assets or something like that. 
Now, what should the ratio between the needs and the wants be? Is there any guideline? Is, is there anything that's considered typically healthy in this regard? You know, we talked on the TFWP about housing being um, a third of someone's take home and transportation being 20%. Again, just good guidelines, good things to think about. But are there any guidelines in this regard? Well, actually, there is. There's a very interesting guideline. It's called the 50-30-20 budget. And remember, here at, at the TFWP, we don't, we don't call it a budget. Budget's a bad word here. Rather, we think of it and call it a spending plan, a spending plan. So the 50-30-20 plan recommends that you spend 50% of your net income, that's net income, after tax, net income, on needs, groceries, housing, utilities, insurance, transportation. The plan recommends you spend 30% on wants, such as shopping and dining out and entertainment, and 20% on savings. Now, some people also recommend that this 20%, uh, or they acknowledge that this 20% on savings is savings and debt payment. But remember, here at the TFWP, we're not into debt, so it's going to allow you to... uh, have a little stronger stroke there on that on savings. And again, it should not necessarily be the same for everyone. These are simple guidelines or a starting point in your thought process. I mean, if it turns out that you can keep your um, uh, your wants low, and well, you can beef up the, the savings portion, save 30%. And I'd say more power to you. It just means that you'll have more capital saved up to deploy in ways that are meaningful to you. Uh, your money will grow and you'll ultimately, uh, it may ultimately support you at some point in time if you're, if you're really good at it. This analysis may encourage you to spend less on your next vehicle. Or it may cause you to realize how much you really appreciate your car and how much it, it costs you. So it's going to cause you to look at all of your expenditures and get a better idea and then make a more conscious, thoughtful choice. Now, where do these guidelines come from? Where did this 50, 30, 20 thing come from? Well, interestingly enough, it comes from a book in 2005 called All Your Worth, The Ultimate Lifetime Money Plan. Who wrote that book? An individual named Elizabeth Warren and her daughter, Amelia. Sound familiar? It should if you're awake. Who is she? Elizabeth Warren. She is a bankruptcy expert at Harvard for many years. She's written several books on personal finance, bankruptcy filing rates, et cetera, et cetera. She's a U.S. senator from the state of Massachusetts. Um, She now uh, has the seat that was held by Teddy Kennedy for a lot of years. She's a candidate for president of the United States. Here she has a large political footprint here in the United States since she started out writing personal finance books. I find that so interesting. I've listened to her talk before. Many years ago, I listened to her talk. And what a committed, um, you know, fine, concerned person that she is. Now, I don't know that I agree with all of her politics, but um, she is a a fine, wonderful, committed uh, public servant. Now, I don't think a wants versus needs analysis should be our guiding light each month. I still like a monthly spending plan with a suggested spending amount. Again, remember, not a budget, a spending plan. However, a wants versus needs analysis is good to help you determine what should be in each of your monthly spending categories. It helps you determine what's important to you. It helps you determine that you've got ratios that are in line with your goals and your your thought process. Now, some people do this differently, but that's how I would do it. 
Where I find this analysis particularly helpful is when I'm checking out at the Home Depot and I see, you know, right by the cash register, a pair of orange gloves. And I go, initially I go, well, five bucks. That, that's a good pair of gloves. I'll get that. But I pause for just a second and I say, is this a want or a need? And it helps me make better and less impulsive purchases. But again, that, that's just me. You know, an interesting thing to do is to walk through the store like a, you know, a general merchandise store and, and look at stuff and go, hmm, is that a want? Is that a need? Is that a want? Is that a need? Might it be different for other people? It just helps you evaluate, you know, what you want to spend your money on, how you want to deploy your capital. You know, do you like that term, Brian, deploy your capital? Deploy your cap? I do like that. Yeah. You know who I got that from? Who? I, I stole it. I stole it from Warren Buffett. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was talking about deploying the capital in his funds. And I'm going, that's a, that's an interesting way to talk about your money. Uh, anyway. So in, in closing, you know, it seems to me that wants versus needs is an interesting concept. It's a worthwhile analysis to occasionally go through, help you keep things kind of in balance keep uh, things in line, you know, just add up 90 days of expenditures, put it into two accounts, see what uh, you come up with. You might be surprised. You might think you need to make some changes or you might even be ready to give yourself some self-congratulations. Well, that's all I've got to talk about today. That's a wrap. This is Dave Hagan and you are listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. As an additional bonus, each month, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. Brian's got some emails over there. Uh, What do you got for me, Brian? All right, here we go. We have a question from Steve. He writes in, Dave, I am single, have a graduate degree, and am 28 years old. I also have 80000 in student loans I incurred to get my graduate degree. I'm making the payments, but just barely right now. I've got several friends who have got loans as well, but they're not making any payments anymore. They're actually counting on one of the candidates for president getting elected who will forgive student loans. Can that really happen? Should I just stop paying? What do you think? That's Steve. Wow, Steve, you know, um, first and foremost, my thought is don't count on the politicians to uh, bail you out. In fact, don't count on the politicians to do the right thing because there's so many uh, pressures on the politicians and there's so many reasons that they do the things that they do that you can't count on them to to bail you out. You know, if if it doesn't happen... Your loans are going to be delinquent. They will have accelerated. They will have grown. And you'll be in deep doo-doo. And uh, your friends are probably in, in the deep doo-doo because they've got these big growing balances that they owe. And if that stuff doesn't get forgiven, they're going to have to pay an even larger amount. 
and they may not look like they're dealing with it now. And if they're not, they're going to deal with it in the future because if, uh, if these loans aren't forgiven, someone's going to knock on their door one day and take their paycheck or take their tax return or, you know, do so many of the other things that, uh, the student loan folks then, uh, can do. And, you know, I also don't think that whatever solution they come up with, I mean, the politicians, I don't think it's going to be just like someone's going to snap their finger and like, oh, student loans are gone. It's more than a trillion bucks. That's a lot of money just to forgive. And then we've talked on the podcast, what about the taxability of the forgiven debt? And then what's going to happen to the federal government where, you know, there's more money that's not going to be repaid. I just don't think it's going to be quite that in, uh, easy. I think it'll probably be part of some, uh, you know, maybe bankruptcy protection or maybe, uh, uh, you know, some other process where it'll be forgiven over some period of time in exchange for service or working in a particular industry or I don't know, something like that. But I just have a hard time thinking that some candidate, who gets elected is going to snap their finger and Congress is going to go along with them right away. And all of a sudden there's like no student loan debt. I just don't see that happening. Um, a couple of weeks ago, a member of the house of representatives introduced a bill, uh, making student loans dischargeable into bankruptcy again. And it's the first time in a long, 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 long time. It used to be that student loans of a certain uh, vintage or age would discharge in a bankruptcy. It was five years and it was seven years if someone tried to make payments over that period of time. And then it just got changed to not dischargeable at all. And I think it would be, you know, too bad that if the only way to get those loans forgiven was through a bankruptcy, but I think a lot of people would probably do that, especially if they don't have assets, um, to make those loans go away because they're growing at, you know, six, seven, eight, nine percent, which means that it's doubling by definition every 10 years. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. But, uh, Steve, I really don't think you can count on the politicians to do the right thing. And I know that if it does come to pass and you've been paying and your friends haven't, you're going to kind of feel like the, the chump who paid and you could have saved all that money. But if it doesn't come to pass, you are going to be just hanging out there in the wind. And that's not a and that's not a good thing. So. Keep paying it. Do the best you can. You know, there's some places that will uh, actually help you refinance uh, your loans. And if and if that uh, if those numbers pencil out, if that's a good deal, you might look at that. Um, you might look at um, um, you know working in different areas or fields where you can get some credit um, for those student loans. I mean, there's things that you can do, but simply making them go away is going to be pretty, pretty, pretty tough. And again. Um, I don't think you can count on the politicians to do the right thing. So it's probably just going to end up being a uh, presidential uh, selling point just to get votes. And then it's never going to happen. That's what I think. Well, I mean, and, and we've seen with a, a lot of our presidential candidates, they have all these really great ideas and everyone gets never happens. And Congress just doesn't follow along. Sometimes even when they um, have both houses uh, or both uh, both of the chambers in Congress on their side, you know, it doesn't necessarily happen. There's so many interests that are spending money and exerting influence in Congress that uh, um, you can't really count on them to get that done. But it'd be nice to see something happen. It'd be nice to see something change. Um, but I wouldn't hold my breath. Hey, Brian, I think we've got time for 
one more. Got a shorty for us? Yeah, this one's going to be a shorty, and you're going to laugh at this. Um, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is from Amy, and she writes, My boyfriend and I of five years are moving in together. He suggested that we pool together our incomes and bank accounts. Any advice? Well, Amy... Yeah, that I mean that is kind of easy. No, no, <laughs> no, no way in hell. <laughs> no, don't do that. You know, um, I mean this just has um, you know accidents written all over it. It seems to me, and I and I don't know you. I don't know your boyfriend. I don't know what's going on. But um, wow, wait till you get married and you have a legal commitment. Otherwise, your your money could get dissipated. Uh, um, you know, if if he's suggesting that you pull your incomes and, and bank accounts, is he going to manage that? Is he going to take care of that? Are you going to see where your money's going for that matter? Again, I don't know you, Amy, but is he working? You know, what what are you guys pooling? Um, you know, I don't I don't know. Are you pooling equally? Um, and this just looks like a lot of problems. And, you know, when you break up um, and you guys have acquired some things, maybe, um, you know, it's going to be good to have benefit of some state law, some divorce law to, you know, help to pull you things apart. Otherwise, you've just got this informal handshake sort of agreement, lack of commitment kind of thing. And I just think you're going to have all sorts of problems with that. Um, I mean, at, at least have a separate side account with some emergency fund money in it or, or something like that. But man, I wouldn't do it. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, definitely do not pool your resources yet. You're not a couple. You're not, or you're a couple fine, but you're not married. There's, like you said, no long term. It's just too risky. Yeah, and you're not even living together yet. I yeah. Mean, you haven't even reached that, you know, that commitment. They're now moving in together. And now it's, no, just move in together, be happy, try it, and combine accounts right. later on when it gets more official. Right, right. Anything else strike you? I'm, I'm listening to this and it says, my boyfriend and I, and I have five years. I was like, well, wow, isn't it time to close escrow or something? Or, <laughs> you know, is there a deal in the offering or is this just, uh, you know, that's a, that's a long trial period, it seems to me. I don't know. I'm kind of old school, maybe. Five years? Yeah, you either got to, what is it, fish or cut bait? Yeah, I mean, something like that. You know, someone's not ready to be a, a, a willing, a full committed participant. And maybe that's, a, maybe that's a sign of something else. Now, you know, this, this isn't the, uh, the dating hotline show, so don't, don't take this uh, too literally. But that just kind of struck me. It's like, wow, dating for five years, haven't moved in, haven't got married. I don't know. And now he wants uh, to pool the incomes and the money. And uh, I don't know. I'm not feeling uh, good about this for Amy. No. Move in together. Separate accounts. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to be such a killjoy there, Amy. And uh, hopefully you can work that out with your boyfriend. But uh, you oh, know Dave, what? I got a good one. Share the bed, not the bank. <laughs> I like it. I like. Let's write that down. We'll trademark that so we can <laughs> we can use that. How about we put that on T-shirts? That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> oh man! All right, that's all we got time for today. That's going to be a wrap. This is Dave Hagen, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. 
you can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.